Greetings, in the precious name of the Lord Jesus, again this morning, welcome to all, thank you for coming. <clears throat> so we've been uh, studying about uh, generous giving, I'm going to continue on that theme a bit today in the message, uh, and maybe before I start into the message, I'll make a few comments. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, in the children's or in the uh, Sunday school lesson. Talked a little bit about uh, the the poor and the poor you have among you and. Uh, to to give you know the um, our the world scene ha- is a little different now than it was in uh in in the uh, old testament and for many many years uh Generally, the 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 handicapped, the you know the blind, the lame, the the they they generally uh, from for many 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 years they they earned their keep or they earned their bread often by begging, um, and they were often dependent on the benevolence of those around them. And that's where in Israel uh, and, and the nation as a people, God never said, God never uh, blessed the people to the point where there were no lame, there were no blind, there were no beggars, there were, you know. Uh, God said, you will always have them among you. And you are, as a people, are to have your hand open to meet the needs of those who actually cannot meet their own needs or even for you know even for other reasons today um, our government has made it their business to attend to that and they have put programs in place and they tax everyone and then they divide it out to the needs and that's not all a bad thing uh However, it does kind of take away an opportunity. You know, we don't... uh, You know, it's a little bit like uh, years ago when you drove down the highway and you saw a car sitting by the road. It was unusual to stop and see if they needed help. What do you do today? Well, they got a cell phone. You buzz right on by. When you see a poor man, uh, well, there's Social Security. There's there's uh, uh, all those other programs, and we buzz right on by. <clears throat> and uh, those opportunities, in many ways, in, 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 to a point, are taken away. Um, and. You know, like it is, it's hard to say everything that one should say. You know, years ago, 
uh, we, we were in the city of Lebanon on Tuesday evening uh, ministering there some, and some guy come along, and he had a grand story of a need. And uh, I gave him some money. And I went home, climbed into bed. I must have been cell phones already because he called about an hour later, and he had another story, and he just really needed some money. You know, I was foolish enough to get out of bed, drive to Lebanon, and give this guy a little more money. But I tell you what, I learned my lesson. <laughs> I've never done that again. So, uh, you know, when not everything that appear, uh, sounds like a need is a need. You know, we 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 uh, we need wisdom in those things, but. Uh, there is that place of a genuine need that our hearts and hands should be open. Um, and how do you discern all of that? I don't know. But like I said, unfortunately, <clears throat> our uh, our culture has kind of robbed that opportunity in in many ways. The the uh, the people in general are not dependent on those of us who are around them. They're dependent on the government program. They sign up, they get their money, uh, and we just all go about business as though they didn't exist, you know. But that's our culture. That's We have to figure out how to be a Christian and how to give and how to have a benevolent heart in this culture. Um, how does it fit? How does it work? So this morning, for the message, you know, uh, and again, reflecting on Sunday school, you know, we last several lessons we were talking about separation and uh, separation in various uh, areas of life. Uh, we didn't, uh, the, the, I don't uh, recall any lesson that necessarily taught about separation of the church and its functions and the state and the government and their functions. We didn't necessarily have any uh, lessons that quite went to that effect. And I'm not necessarily going there either, totally, but I'm going to think about some things this morning. <clears throat> I've titled uh, today's message, Insurance, Government Programs, and Handouts. Insurance, Government Programs, and Handouts. How should we respond to the ever-increasing government programs and funding that is being sent our way or offered to us? Should we just go along with all the programs that they offer us since they are offering it to us? Is that our only option, to just go along, buy into their programs and milk them to the fullest extent possible. Some do. Some wait. Some push for government programs. You know, as soon as there's some kind of a calamity, some kind of a setback, where do the people go? They go crying to the government. Got to help us. We're suffering. The farmers are suffering. The, the small businesses are suffering, you know, and all those kind of things. And they're crying at the feet of the government for handouts, for programs, for... Those things are not all wrong, uh, but as Christians and people of another kingdom, we should at least ask questions sometimes. 
you know, how should we respond? I'm not, uh, I'm not going to tell you this morning how you should respond in these various things. But I'm going to endeavor to look at some biblical principles that would hopefully help us, uh, help you and help us guide our hearts as we do need to respond many times. Um, this whole thing of COVID brought a huge amount of government uh, programs and, and uh, handouts and, and continues to do so. <clears throat> And it's not the not the not the first time, but it's just been, yeah, almost unprecedented in this uh, event. You know, there's uh, there's of course the stimulus programs where they just simply send everybody a check or or a, uh, almost everyone at least uh, some kind of a a payment of some sort. There's uh, been paycheck program. Uh, protection programs. There's been unemployment uh, payments. There's been uh, loans, forgivable loans offered, and and just uh, yeah, a whole host of things. Uh, just so again that uh, uh, something about a food security program, and and they're offering farmers and anyone involved in the food industry, you can sign up and get so many dollars and and so on. Just yes, endless programs that. Uh, they're pushing our direction. Um, yeah, and it's, I can't answer all those questions, should you or shouldn't you. Uh, but I do want to look at the scriptures at least a little bit and, and, and talk about a few things there. Um, you know, the, maybe I'll just, while I'm here, I think I might look at that a little bit more later, but while I'm here and talking about programs, you know, it was in 1935, right after the Great Depression, that the uh, Social Security Act was signed into law. And, uh, and that was an insurance program to provide for the handicapped, the, uh, yeah, those which, for whatever reason, couldn't earn their own living, for the elderly. Uh, and you really can't blame uh, the people for wanting to put something like that in place because they had just come through some years of severe suffering. And uh, during the Depression, there were uh, there was a lot of suffering. And, you know, as it always is, the, the, the vulnerable often suffer the most. It's been said that... Uh, that the church failed during that time, therefore the government had to step in. Uh, in other words, the church failed, the Christians failed to open their hands to the needs. Uh, I wouldn't, I didn't live there, I don't know, I didn't study it, I don't know if that's true or not, that the church failed. But I do know that there are stories of Christians that did not fail. Uh, I know of a, of a, uh, a story is told of a farmer who farmed potatoes, at least some of his crop was potatoes, and then he would go and uh, to sell his potatoes at the, you know, uh, to the town or wherever he went to sell his potatoes, and he would 
and of course, he was endeavoring to etch out his own living, and he would sell potatoes, uh, as many as he could in the day there, as many uh, people that could still afford to buy some potatoes. And toward the end of the day, before he went home, whatever potatoes he had left, he gave to the needy and the poor. And if you can know how different the posture was back then as it is today as far as getting something for nothing, some of the people who had no money to buy food would come out almost sheepishly, uh, almost embarrassingly, and take a little bit of potatoes for nothing and go home with them and were almost embarrassed to do so. And that was the right thing for that uh, Christian farmer to do. He had perhaps sold enough that he could uh, keep up with whatever he had needed and he gave uh, gave away uh, to the needs. So not everyone failed the test of the time. Uh, there were some who seized the opportunity, and I'm, I'm sure the stories would be many, but then I'm sure there's also stories of those who did fail. And, and yeah, well, the needs were, the needs were endless. So today, I would like to, uh, for the first point, I would like to just raise this question, and we really did talk about this in children's or in the Sunday school lesson already. What should the posture of our heart, hearts be as it relates to insurance, government programs, and handouts? What should the posture of our hearts be relating to these things? I'd like to look at the scriptures just a little bit, uh, every opportunity or, or, or should we, at, at every opportunity, should we seize every opportunity to get, you know, every handout, every program, every insurance, or should we seize every opportunity to give, is the question I'd like to ask at the beginning. What should our heart posture be? Should we earn what we get, or should we try to get without earning? Would be another question we could ask. <clears throat> In Ephesians 4.28, familiar scripture, Let him that steal, stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. So there we have the exhortation to work. And it doesn't actually even say to work for our own needs. It works to work so that we have to give to those that need. In Second Thessalonians 3 verse 10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Uh, we also have, there's actually a little more context there. Maybe I'll turn to that, Second uh, Thessalonians 3, verse 10.
for even when we, again reading verse 10, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and earn their own bread. And there, there we do have the, uh, the exhortation to work and earn our own bread as well. Uh, and then turn over to Acts chapter 20. Beginning in verse 32, Acts 20, verse 32, this is Paul speaking here. He says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's gold, uh, silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have shown you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we'll just stop there. There, we, uh, I read that simply to get uh, the content, or to get a glimpse into Paul's life. Uh, Paul's saying that uh, his hands worked to meet their needs, his needs and those who were traveling with him. And he says, I have coveted no man's silver, gold, or apparel. He did not desire uh, to get without working, without laboring, without uh, uh, putting some energy into what he got. <clears throat> Though he, in another place, he talks about how the workman is worthy of his hire and all those kind of things. And he had reasons he did what he did. It wouldn't have been wrong for him especially as a minister of the gospel, to take some uh, support from those who uh, he ministered to, not wrong at all. And he had reasons why he specifically refrained from some of that uh, because of the climate of the day and, uh, and some of the potential of... Uh, he wanted to avoid giving people an opportunity uh, to misuse that against him. And so he... He avoided those things uh, quite a bit. But, uh, again, just the, the uh, looking at now, we've looked at, say, three scriptures that talk about working with our hands, uh, laboring uh, f- to meet our own needs and to meet the needs of those who are uh, around us and perhaps uh, with us and so forth. So we have that part of the of the. Uh, Scriptural perspective, that of uh, uh, being faithful, being diligent, working, uh, applying ourselves uh, to meet the, the needs that come up in life and to meet our uh, daily needs. And then we have the, the, the whole perspective of, uh, again, thinking about uh, uh, the, the idea of what should the posture of our heart be? You know, here, here am I. We just draw a circle. 
And uh, should the posture of our heart be that uh, we want to see as much coming our way as we can, as easy as we can, and seize every opportunity to get everything we can in every way possible? Or should our heart actually be uh, focused this way in looking outward and looking for opportunities where we can take what we already have and and bless others who have need? That's what we're uh, thinking about at the moment and how... Does that relate then? How does this uh, relate to uh, insurances, government programs, and handouts? <clears throat> when we think about giving and a heart posture of, of giving and meeting the needs of others, there's lots of scriptures that speak to that. In fact, it's a, almost amazing how many scriptures do address that subject. There are lots Uh in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, in all the, most of the, I believe almost all the scriptures in the Sunday school lesson were from the Old Testament, but there's a whole host of them in the New Testament as well. Uh, so in, in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Uh, Again, we had that, that was part of our Sunday school lesson. Second, uh, Second Corinthians eight verse twelve. If there, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Paul has quite a bit to say in Corinthians about giving. Uh, so uh, we saw several things there, not grudgingly. Uh, and we also saw in that one verse that it says that uh, if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. You know, um, it, the, the amount given is not really the, the issue at all. It's how you give it, in what posture of heart. If there's a willing mind, a little bit goes a long way in the kingdom of God. If there's a grudging heart giving big amounts, it it benefits the kingdom very little. But if there's a willing mind, it really isn't about the amounts. It's about the uh, the posture of heart that is giving it as far as uh, the benefit or the blessing uh, that it uh, yields to the giver especially. Proverbs 11.25 says, The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Also in Proverbs 22, verse 9, He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth his bread to the poor. <clears throat> And in Hebrews 13, verse 16, But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And that's what we want, isn't it? We want God to be pleased uh, with what we're doing. And uh, that's one way to communicate, to give, to minister to the needs of others. The Didache, which is uh, a small booklet that uh, contains uh, some of the early 
it's thought to be the earliest available uh, early church writings from the uh, thought to have been put together by the apostles. Uh, it's 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 uh, if you've never seen it, it's it's just a small booklet and it has uh, it has a it's almost scripture in its content, but things are worded a little differently in a few a few a lot of it is almost like it just came almost out of the Bible, just written a little differently. But uh, it says in in uh, chapter four, verse five, in that little booklet, do not be one who stretches out his hand to receive but withdraws it in giving. So that was an early church teaching not to be one who stretches his, out his hand to receive something to yourself, but to, to withdraw it from giving, in giving. You know, you've given and you're withdrawing your hand. <clears throat> so generally speaking, uh, the scriptures teach us to work for our bread and butter, uh, to work for our needs, to work for... Uh, to have to give to those uh, who have need, who are not able, perhaps, to, to meet their own needs. And it also exhorts us to have a heart posture that looks for opportunity to share in the needs of others. So, uh, that is a general, uh, that is a, a general exhortation of scripture that it teaches us, you know, to, uh, to work, to to work for our needs, uh, or earn, earn what we get, and to seek to, to have a heart that is open and, and ready to give when we observe the needs around us. Obviously, uh, if there's someone giving, there, uh, there has to be someone receiving. <laughs> and, and while the, ble- uh, the scripture tells us it's more blessed to re- give than to receive, that doesn't mean that there's a curse on you if you're the, on the receiving end. <laughs> uh, it just simply means that uh, in our hearts, we should recognize that it is more blessed to be the giver than to be on the receiving end. And if we, if we recognize that truth, then our hearts, it, it, it is actually a, a small factor of protecting our hearts from wanting to become uh, careless and just simply depend on the benevolence of others. Because uh, that is also a possibility. That we uh, develop a, a laziness and we just simply depend on the benevolence of others and... and uh, if we're tempted to that, remember it's more blessed to give than to receive. All right, let's talk a little bit about insurances. What should our heart posture be regarding insurances? What is the purpose of insurance? Obviously, it's to protect against losses, losses or setbacks. And again, there's almost every kind of insurance that one can imagine. Uh, Car insurance, crop insurance, fire insurance, storm insurance, life insurance, health insurance. You know, there's the list can go on and on. Um, and there's uh, <clears throat> there's different when we think about insurance or we think about uh, the, the reasons we might have insurance. There's different reasons that we might have insurance. And I'd like us to think about. Uh, at least uh, uh, the 
we can insure, there's, there's two general, two general types of insurance. And one of them is a liability insurance, which is an insurance that uh, you carry to insure situations and things that you are liable for. And there's an asset insurance, which is an insurance that insures your assets. And those are two quite different uh, uh, types of insurance. You know, when we think about a, li- a liability insurance, you know, we carry liability insurances on our cars. We're, we're required to, at least most states are. And if you uh, are uh, driving down the highway and you... For whatever reason, you are distracted or you don't not paying attention like you should be and you make a maneuver that causes an accident and somebody is injured and they have a hospital bill. Guess who's liable? You're the one who caused the accident. You're liable. Uh, let's say, and this did happen a few years back in a brother at Harmony. A cow got out on the road, a gentleman hit the cow, was injured, was off of work several weeks. Guess who's responsible? Guess who's liable? The owner of the cow. You know, that was actually, uh, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually right and correct. That was actually an Old Testament teaching. Uh, if, uh, let me just read you a scripture, Exodus 21:33. The 36, if, and if a man shall open a pit, or if a man shall dig a pit and not cover it, and an ox or an ass fall therein, the owner of the pit shall make it good, and give money unto the owner of them. And the dead beast shall be his. And it goes on, uh, gives some more, but, and I think that's enough. I, I don't think I have to read more. There's actually, there would be numerous scriptures in the Old Testament that would uh, speak to those kind of situations where if you did something, you dug a pit, you didn't protect it from animals falling in and your neighbor's animal fell into the pit and died, you were responsible. That's liability. You were liable for what happened. <clears throat> and, uh, and you know, it's actually kind of nice uh, when you think about... Uh, driving cars on the highways, I'll tell you what, a liability insurance is just a pretty nice thing, really. If you don't think so, uh, just uh, get in a situation where you're maybe in a distant state or something and you have an accident and there's a whole case to work through and you don't have any insurance. Let's just suppose you didn't have any insurance and you had to be the person who made all the phone calls and made all the trips to the distant state to try to settle this case. Now, that would be a headache. But if you have an insurance policy, a liability, and something happens and you were liable, it doesn't matter if it's here or in California or where it is, your insurance people take care of that situation. They make the phone calls. They uh, have the, in, if there's in-person things that need done, they're the ones that do it. And, uh, that is, that is, uh, that's a big relief for sure. <clears throat> um, 
So there's the whole thing of insuring liabilities and things we're liable for. Uh, so that's one aspect of insurance. And I remember, uh, and we should, we actually should feel a responsibility. We should not be negligent about uh, the responsibility. And, and again, we have to decide what level of, of uh, vulnerability do I want on that front of liability. Um, but we should not try to shirk that responsibility and try to, if, if, if my beast caused an accident, I should not try to somehow weasel my way out of paying that guy's, uh, two weeks off of work or whatever it is, because I am actually responsible. We should, uh, be, uh, we should think through those things and decide what level of responsibility uh, we're willing to carry ourselves versus how much uh, we want to simply be proactive and pay that yearly fee. And if something comes up, you have somebody to work the problem for you and uh, so forth. So we, we have a responsibility there is what I'm saying. We need to decide how we're going to handle it <clears throat> on that level of liability. But then on the level of, uh, of assets, how much should we insure our assets? You know, that house, that, uh, that uh, truck, that car, that whatever we have that we consider valuable. How much should we insure them? Or if we're in business, how much should we, uh, uh, if we're a farmer, you know, Crop insurances have been available for numerous years. You know, how much do we cushion ourselves as opposed to how much are we willing to uh, allow setbacks or situations in our lives and, and, uh, or how much do we buffer and cushion ourselves so that we don't have setbacks? And again, we, and on that level, we too have to recognize that if we have a loan, uh, and have a debt, we, we're going to probably need to carry some insurances to protect that loan. It's going to be required of us. But it's still a question to ask. Uh, how much do we uh, buy into the insurance programs and, and couch ourselves so that nothing affects us? Uh, whatever comes up, we're covered. You know, that kind of a, is that the right, is that the, is that what the attitude that a Christian should actually carry is the question I'm asking. <clears throat> like I said earlier, in the, uh, the Social Security Act was signed into law in 1935, and the government put in a place a program to try to prevent the uh, repeat of the great suffering that uh, many people had gone through. Now, the question that comes up and did come up in the minds of of many uh, back then is in the context of the Christian church, should the government be responsible for the needs of the people or should the church? Should we just allow the government to do it or should the church maintain that uh, responsibility for their people. That was a question that came up among some of the conservative uh, groups back in the, in the uh, time when it was presented and put into place. 
Many of the conservative folks felt that the government was taking over the responsibility that belonged to the church. And uh, the channels of appeal were pursued. And an exception was granted, which is today known as the 4029 exception, which you're accepted, exempt from paying the tax, but you're also exempt from collecting when you get old or if you develop a handicap or something. But it was, it was granted on the basis, and, and continues to be granted at this point at least, on the basis that as a church, and as an organization, as, as a groups of churches, we do see to it that our people are, you know, any handicap or any extreme needs that we are there to help and minister to those needs. <clears throat> of course, I'm suspecting that that... Uh, that uh, exemption is abused at times where it becomes a way out of tax, which is not the right attitude about it. Um, the, the attitude about it is not a way out of tax, but an opportunity to maintain uh, the idea of ministering to those in our midst, uh, ministering to those in our brotherhoods, and uh, doing it as a church body rather than a depending on the government to do it for us. <clears throat> so, how should we relate to insurances? Like I said, I'm not going to give you black and white answers. But uh, just bring out some scriptural things to think about. Because you are the one who's going to need to live with the choices you make. You know, if you choose not to if you choose to take out a 4029 exemption and not uh, be able to depend on the Social Security program when you get to be 65, 70 years old, uh, you're going to have to live with that choice. In other words, if, if uh, there are major setbacks and, uh, and you get to that point and there's not a lot in the stock pot and uh, you're having to depend on those in your church to uh, even assist you some, which is right and is what we are committed to doing, but uh, it's probably a good chance that uh, they will see to it that your needs are met, but you're probably not going to live high. And that's something you have to be willing if you make that choice uh, or if you make a choice not to have a certain insurance. Um, and something happens, uh, and there's a loss. You have to, you know, that's a decision I believe that you need to make. Uh, if I make it for you, I tell you you can't have that insurance, and then there's a loss. I'm not the one who's going to majorly suffer. You're the one who's going to have to absorb and struggle through that loss, and and you have to, uh, we have to weigh in on those things in our hearts and try to, uh, determine before God, you know, what is the Christ-like way to respond to these things? What is the, what, uh, yeah, how do we, as a people of God, what is faith in God versus uh, uh, going along with all the all the possibilities that are offered us today in 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 protection? 
Let's look a little bit at how the early church uh, met their needs among them. Uh, Romans 15, verse 26, For it ple- hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution to the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Uh, let's go to Second Corinthians 8, and I'll turn there. Second Corinthians 8, 1 to 5. And this is still the, uh, the church at Macedonia comes into view here, just like it did in that uh, scripture in Romans there. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of them they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Uh, notice there. Uh, some of that uh, English is a little harder to follow maybe, but basically what it's saying there is that the church at Macedonia had gone, uh, they had, they didn't just uh, give a little bit of their excess. Uh, they gave till it hurt. They gave, they sacrificed to give. And they they did it joyfully by all appearances in this scripture. They uh, uh they wanted to give. They heard there was a need. There was uh, poverty in Jerusalem. And they, uh, as a church, as a people, wanted to minister, wanted to be involved in ministering to the needs of fellow believers. And they uh, they gave be, uh, beyond their power, Paul says in verse 3. Uh, and I believe they simply saying they they. They gave almost more than they could afford to give based on their own continuing needs. But that's the way they approached it. <clears throat> they saw an opportunity and they didn't want to miss it. They wanted to be a part of giving. Also, I'll, uh, let's just page back a little bit to 1 Corinthians 16. Verses 1 to 3. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I had given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whatsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And here we have... uh, the same thing again. It's it's they're giving for the needs in Jerusalem. There was uh, there was some deep poverty going on, and uh, and just uh, just wanted us to notice that uh, there was some order to it uh, in their giving. They uh, he exhorted them. You know, the first day of the week, apparently when they were gathered, they were to lay aside as they had prospered that week, give what they could. And uh, they were going to send several uh, individuals with the gift, apparently. Um, 
And there were to be no gatherings when Paul came. And again, that was, I believe, a uh, uh, Paul endeavoring to avoid opportunity for gainsayers. To He didn't want collections taking place when he was present. He wanted it to take place otherwise. So, uh, again, how did the, just looking at how the early church met the needs among them. They, uh, they were aggressive in doing that. In, and I'm going back now to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. That whole chapter is on, on giving. Uh, maybe we'll, I believe I'll start in verse 6. Uh, the whole chapter is on giving. He has said some things before already. Uh, it says in verse 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Uh, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. I'll just read on down through. As it is written, he, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything that, in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth to the, the want of the saints, but it, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. And notice what Paul is saying here. He's uh, talking about the gift that was, uh, about gifts being sent and how it causes thanksgiving on the part of those that receive it, gratefulness, and also how it uh, results in many thanks to God. And you can imagine, I'm sure, if, uh, if you were in a poverty, uh, time of poverty and, and uh, didn't have enough to eat and your children are hungry and you barely could get by and someone came and you've been praying for food and you've been praying for relief and you've been praying and someone comes and gives you. Uh, you can imagine the, the thankfulness of first of all to, to the individuals who gave and the thankfulness to God for, for moving on the hearts of people to, to give. And that's what's happening here. Uh, and he talks about the, uh, he's just simply kind of sharing that perspective of, of what happens and how there's, it's a blessing in many fronts, is basically what he's saying. Not just the fact that you met somebody's need. <clears throat> All right. Now I'd like us to consider one more uh, scriptural example, uh, kind of in the whole perspective of, of uh, how much do we, how do we relate? to government programs, insurances, handouts. I'd like you to think about Job for a little bit. 
And maybe we could turn to Job chapter 42. I'd like you to just notice these words. Job 42, verse 10 to verse 12. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he had, when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all they that had been of his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and a 1,000 yoke of oxen and a 1,000 she-asses. He also had seven sons and three daughters. <clears throat> okay, did you ever stop and think about uh, all the different types of... Uh, Insurances that Job should have had for his day and the calamities that came his way. I didn't actually go back and look at and read, uh, the beginning of the chapter and look at everything, but, uh, you know, if you, if you think about it, he should have had, uh, he should have had storm, uh, insurance against storm damage. He should have had insurance against theft and vandalism. He should have had health insurance. Uh, he should have had life insurance for his children. I'm not sure what else, uh, else he should have had, but there had been quite a few that he should have had. Uh, you know, looking at it from today's culture, today's world. But, uh, he didn't have those things, but he did have the Lord. He did have the Lord and probably uh, in a deeper way than many do. And notice how uh, when God God blessed Job and, and people, notice again the different things that happened, people gave. And that's right. That's, you know, somebody has suffered a great calamity, there, there should be those of us. We know them. We're aware of the situation. There should be something in our hearts that says, I want to uh, bear this with that individual. I want to uh, be a part. Uh, I want to share in this burden and give, give uh, and help bear the brunt of it. So there we see what happened with Job. And uh, so I guess, again, I just raise the question. You know, what should we do about all these uh, insurances that are offered us today, all the government programs that are uh, put, in, put in front of us? You know, I just encourage us to, to keep, for one thing, to keep this uh, scriptural principle of uh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, and also, and I didn't touch on it much, the idea of getting something for nothing. Uh, there's a few scriptures, not so many that actually speak to that, but there are uh, a few that do. But to keep in keep in mind that uh, 
as Christians and as as uh, people of a, of the kingdom of God, that our heart posture shouldn't be uh, continually trying to see what 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 programs can we participate in that put more money in our pocket. Uh, what, uh, yeah. But rather our heart posture should be one of looking at what we have and, and, and recognizing it as a blessing from God and asking the question, how can we use what we already do have in a way that advances Christ's kingdom, in a way that glorifies God, in a way that blesses the people of God or the needs of the world or whatever. Um, so God bless you. I know that uh, different ones of us in different places uh, are affected in different ways by these things. Uh, for the person who is a day laborer, you probably don't face so much. Uh, on some of those fronts, but uh, for some of us uh, who are in various businesses, there are there are things put out there, and we have to decide: are we going to participate in them, or aren't we? Uh, you know, maybe just thinking about that whole concept, something just came to my mind. Thinking about this this whole thing of do we just go along with everything that. Uh, that the government puts out before us. Well, let's think about this whole idea. What about schooling? You know, there is one area where uh, the government put, you know, put education in place, schooling in place, a program in place, and basically actually tried to at some at some points in history had actually kind of pushed it on. Uh, higher education and all those kind of things. Uh, it's paid. Government, uh, we, in fact, uh, well, uh, so all of that is was put in place and, and taxes are collected to support the schools and we all help pay those taxes. We all help support all our public schools and yet we're not using them. Most of us aren't. And back in the day, uh, when higher education was being pushed, some would have been in our grandparents' day. Uh, I know Beverly's grandfather spent a day or two in prison a few times over the schooling issue. Uh, there were a few of those grandpas back then that they were supposed to send their children to school to a certain age, and uh, they didn't want to. They wanted them to go through their basic education and then get home and get to work. And they were willing to, uh, yeah, they got, some of them got hauled into jail for a day or two as the government tried to flex its powers and yet they had a case on their hands where they were putting what they knew were upright citizens into jail and the officers almost had to apologize to do it but they were forced to do it and all those kind of things but just uh, but just think about the whole picture as we think about uh, you know we we've decided that education is of such importance to us that number one we're going to pay in addition to helping pay for the uh, the education we're going to pay for our education twice it's basically what we're doing 
we're, we're supporting all the public schools by our taxes, at least if we're a homeowner, that is. If you don't want to, just don't buy a house. Uh, yeah, yeah, rent you pay it. Um, pay it second-handed. But we've decided that it's important enough to us that we're willing to pay it twice. We're willing to pay it to the government and simply say no and not use their program and their system, and we're going to work with our own. And uh, so let's think about that and think about that, that those kind of concepts as we go on down the road and see various uh, things come our way and how do we relate to it? How do we, what's the proper response? I guess I would like to say that uh, we don't have to just buy into everything that they send our way. We don't have to. We're not forced to. Um, I know not everyone, there's varying levels of, of response to just government handout, particularly thinking of the uh, stimulus payments and things that have been made. Uh, there's, uh, there's, different, uh, there's different reasons that... Uh, there's there's sometimes been a paranoia about the government in that uh, if 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 uh, that you in some people in some people's lives and and I I don't know that having a paranoia about the government is the right way to approach it but some have had it so much that they would they just absolutely would refuse any a dime from the government and uh, I don't you know I don't I don't promote a paranoia but I do promote uh, that we that we think about it. We we don't have to uh, take everything that they uh, push at us. And uh, and like one accountant said, the, I know the 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 Amish in general uh, with with the uh, stimulus payments. I I'm not sure of their stance totally, but uh, I know a lot of them weren't accepting them or weren't using them. And uh, and I don't know exactly how they're handling it, but uh, I had heard one uh, financial advisor from the conservative circles uh, as he was early on, as these things were all in the the wheels were turning and the and the proposed payments were coming out and all those kind of things. He made the statement that uh, so the government sends you a check, uh, you can you and you have to do something with it. Uh, if you somehow I forget how it was. If you didn't use it, it just stayed on your account. Or so I forget the deal. But anyway, uh, he said one thing you can do is you could actually take that payment if you're totally opposed to, to receiving that government check. You can actually take that check and uh, turn around and submit it to the national debt and give it back to the government. And basically, what happens? It goes from one pocket of the government to the other pocket of the government. But the government couldn't do that, but you can, because they gave it to you, and then you can. So I say that to just say there are options, you know, as these things come our way. We can think about options. We don't have to just say, well, they send it to me. I guess I have to do this, this is what I have to do with it. There are options. And like we said here, uh, we said, well, uh, there's... Uh, there's some of us that really didn't actually suffer much from this whole ordeal. And there's others that actually suffered quite a bit. Maybe we could just hold an offering and some of us who've, who've not really had any setbacks 
can share uh, some of it with some of those who had more major setbacks. So there's different ways you can approach those things. Uh, I'm just saying, uh, let's let's think about it. Let's not just decide that, well, they sent it to us. Uh, they're offering the program. Therefore, we take it. <laughs> think about it. Think about what we're doing. And uh, think about who we are as kingdom uh, disciples. Think about what our posture should be in general. Um, and uh, let those things guide our thoughts and our hearts. All right. I think we'll close with that. Perhaps if you're able, why don't you stand with me and we'll have a closing prayer here. <clears throat> Word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, thank you this morning again. Thank you for your word and thank you for the uh, many truths that are contained in it and for the guidance it gives us. Father, as we've considered this morning our relating to our government's insurances and handouts, we pray for continued wisdom. We do not have, do not always know what the best way is to respond to the many things that come down uh, the pipeline toward to us on that level and just ask that our hearts would truly be uh, postured with a kingdom perspective recognizing that we're in this world but not of this world we're in this world to be a blessing not to be uh, necessarily uh, having the easiest life possible lord help us in that help us to continue to cultivate and maintain kingdom uh, perspectives. Bless each one present here today and those who are not here who would have had a desire to be here. Bless them as well. Lord, send us forth again with your peace, with your joy, with your strength to walk worthy of you and your kingdom. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat>